Welcome to Three Moves Ahead. This is the official podcast of Flash of Steel, and I am your host, Troy Goodfellow. With me today are my, my usual panel, freelance writer Tom Chick. Hello, everyone. If anyone needs a coffee, don't hesitate to stop the podcast uh, and ask me to get you one, and I will do so. Freelance writer Julian Murdoch. I, this is, it's never going to not be old. Really, that's what that is. Taglines get old. That's why they're taglines. Okay. Okay. And Bruce Garrick. I just can't say how delighted I am that for this week I'm not the only conservative on the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> That's right, because today we have a special guest. We have uh, Stardock's number one guy, Brad Wardell, sitting in with us. Hey, how's it going? Insert uh, contro- uh, controversial comment here. <laughs> <laughs> and that's the political segment of our podcast. Moving yes. on. <laughs> well, if if we have time, we'll, we'll get to Sarah Palin. But first, uh, Brad, I do want to start with talking about uh, Demigod and the technical problems that uh, Stardock has had with the multiplayer. Um, I like the game a lot, and uh, before everyone started playing it, the multiplayer worked just fine. <laughs> and now everyone's playing it, and people can't get on. So is there anything you can, any update you can give us in the status of Demigod and Stardock's efforts to get the network working? Sure. I, I guess you could say that we're babes in the woods when it comes to uh, these heavy multiplayer games. I mean, uh, you know, as you know, Gas Power Games developed Demigod. It's peer-to-peer, so... Everybody has to be able to connect to everyone, which is um, fairly uncommon, I, I think, but I'm not a network guy. So what, the first thing that happened is that over Easter, and a lot of people have kind of forgotten this, this part, is that GameStop released the game, put it on the shelves on Thursday, at, you know, Thursday evening. And then, of course, we were gone uh, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, but there weren't that many people using it yet. Right, just people who bought GameStop until onto the torrents because we don't put any DRM onto the game, and then suddenly we had gazillions of people on the game. Now they weren't, they couldn't play multiplayer because we do, we do have validation, but the validation check itself is a you know caused our servers, which we thought were pretty good, uh, to just come crashing down, and that's why. You can actually see if we could graph the review scores of Demigod. They're like, great, great, great. Game comes out, and a zillion people get on. Terrible, terrible, terrible. And then it start, they start getting better again um, when we basically had to recreate our infrastructure that we had for the game for the legitimate users. So we released an update to point them to this, but now we're still, like I said earlier, we're babes in the woods because you have... All these now legitimate people are on here, and it's still way, way beyond what we saw with Sins of the Solar Empire. And the problem with a peer-to-peer game is that you have to have a NAT facilitator to connect these people together. And if it's bogged down, it, it basically just dies. So that essentially what we've been doing is throwing more and more hardware at the problem. We've been bringing it on from uh, – like we practically brought down Win Customize, which is one of our – other sites to throw more servers at this to make it faster. And then this week, we put, we put in a big order with Dell last week, and this <laughs> week we should have a lot of new servers in so we can just do uh, proxy servers and all kinds of stuff to get it working. But it's been, you know, I, I, as a game developer, and I mean, here, if if I had known that publishing a, a, a mo- primarily multiplayer game was going to be so hard, I would have... I would have probably gotten a lot more involved earlier on to see because it's been a it's just been a real 
it's been pretty frustrating. Well, Brad, no, Brad I, 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 I I'm not sure. Okay. Bruce, go ahead, Bruce. Well, I just wanted to ask, I mean, I didn't quite get the whole, like, uh, the whole timeline. I mean, you said that the game was released on Holy Thursday. And so are you saying that your your whole strategy was that if, like, that net thing died on Good Friday, then it would, like, fix itself by Sunday or something? You wouldn't have to do anything? I didn't no, no. Get the, ga- the game wasn't supposed to be released until the Tuesday after. But GameStop broke the street date. Now, you may and- not realize this, but I think Bruce was trying to make an Easter joke. Yeah. Uh, yeah it went I'm over not sure. That's okay. Uh, Moving on. So, Tom, ask your real question. Now, I only knew that because I have a degree in theology. I wouldn't expect anyone else to have gotten that. Uh, but, but well played, Bruce. I enjoyed it. I thoroughly enjoyed that. Uh, my <laughs> question uh, was going to be, uh, Brad, so I, I know uh, uh, Gas Powered in Washington uh, developed the game. You guys in Michigan, Stardock, you published it. Uh, you mentioned that it's peer-to-peer instead of client-server. I'm not a tech guy, so I don't really understand a lot of that stuff. But when I'm trying to get a, a game started... Uh, it seems that a lot of the times, because you guys have offered a great little dialog box where you can see this sort of web of everyone's connections. Now, the games right. demo guide can be up to 10 players. So you've got 10 players, and there's a great little dialog box that shows who is trying to connect to whom and who is holding everything up. And clearly, it seems to me that certain people don't have their dreaded router configured or whatever. Uh, you kind of have to jump through. You might have to jump through some technical hoops to get the game working well. So do you know what advantage comes from making it peer-to-peer where some Yahoo who doesn't have his router set up can hold up the other nine people trying to get a game going? Do you know what they get from that, being peer-to-peer instead of client-server? My understanding is that the big difference is that in a game like Demigod where you have like the rook bringing down his hammer, you can't do prediction like you do in a first-person shooter. A lot of times, if you ever played, uh, <clears throat> say, uh, Left 4 Dead, I know we're all Left 4 Dead guys here, you shoot someone and you think, hey, I shot them. Why didn't they die? And the answer is because they weren't really there, as according to the server. And that's because it's uh, Left 4 Dead's client server. And and it's not a big deal usually in those kinds of games because you press the button, it's instantaneously where it hits. Whereas in Demigod, you actually see the rook moving up his hammer and bringing it down. So you, you, know, you if you see it on your screen that the rook has brought down his hammer on a guy and he doesn't, you don't see him take damage, then there's going to be all kinds of... Um, grief about that. Mm-hmm. But here's where the Babes in the Woods thing, in my opinion, comes up. Not to be bashing on Stardock, but um, I didn't well, even anybody know can, about... you can, right? Yeah, exactly. I didn't even know personally about proxy uh, UDP servers. Now, some network guy listening to this is going to go, my God, they didn't know about this, but I, I didn't. I mean, like I said, I'm you know, president of the company, but I didn't really jump into this technical stuff until until the thing blew up on, uh, you know, when the pirate, the torrents came out. And I think we can solve a lot of the pain by putting up these proxy servers because what will happen then is that users will connect to these proxy servers and then to each other rather than users directly connecting to each other. They'll just ah, connect to us. Clever. And, yeah, and it's not true client servers, so you don't have the lag introduced. So, like, for example, we set up one in Europe, we'll set one in Asia, and we'll set up a couple in the United States. And that way... It'll look at where you are, and that way no one's actually having to mess with each other. And it's just, you know, that's that's what I think. Uh, and I don't know. I haven't I haven't talked to my friends at Blizzard yet, but I have a feeling that that's a lot of what Blizzard has done over the years to mitigate some of this stuff. Because I think Warcraft Three has a hybrid type setup too. So we started out pure pure peer to peer, and I think we're moving to a more of a hybrid where it'll try to do a direct connection eventually. If but 
if it if it can't, it'll just go through this. Because I, I said at this point, I just want people to be able to play the game. Well, but one of the things that's interesting about Demigod is that you know, I mean, you you mentioned that sort of the the multiplayer dominant aspect of it we have seen more and more games like this um sins you can certainly say was it was the same way I and mean, obviously you can play sins single player all you no, want actually, but there's but no that's actually, there's, just interrupt that's the thing sins is primarily played single player we well i know I, way, I know when, when when i've talked to blair fraser from ironclad about it they were surprised at how much multiplayer interest there really was in the game but from the perspective of like setting it up as a game it's not like there's an extensive story-based campaign mode for single no, player that's true. right that's, um, that, it, go ahead and, and so with something like stardock where you're talking about well you know the review scores sort of follow this path of how buggy multiplayer connections were um in a way it sort of struck me as well what what possibly could you expect because this is a game that that is just aggressively a multiplayer game, and it's a great you know, I, multiplayer game. I got to take issue with that, Julian. That makes my skin crawl. I mean, I, there, there's excellent single player support in Demigod. Demigod works wonderfully if you never touch multiplayer. Now, it, it's it's it, it also works better multiplayer. I mean, any game does. Any game that's single player is probably going to be more fun or whatever in multiplayer. But but I think there's this misperception that if you're not interested in multiplayer, you're not going to get in to Demigod, and well, I think the AI in Demigod is very good at at, at offering an experience that can that, that's just as fulfilling. Well, not just as that, that can be as fulfilling as multiplayer. The AI right, to uses me, to all me, of it the feels tools very much like the AI can take advantage of the skill trees. The AI buys equipment. The AI even, it, I mean, it's a, without cheating, does smart things on the map. Uh, so, so I just so do, so do Counter Strike bots, but how many people actually play a lot of single player Counter? Well, RTS is I, I don't Counter Strike. So I don't think you can compare Counter Strike and this though. Like Counter Strike was sort of born as a multiplayer mod. Counter Strike has been multiplayer all along. Later on, it had single player cobbled onto it. Uh, I would be curious, Brad, and I don't know if you would would know. Like, will you guys know how many people are playing this single player versus multiplayer? Um. I don't know uh, if we can tell. I, um, okay. I'd have to ask the network guys. But, but I just know the conventional wisdom is that, that games are primarily, I mean, even games with multiplayer support, more people play them single player. And I would hate for this perception to get out there that Demigod doesn't have much value for people who don't want to play multiplayer. So I'm sorry, I, I interrupted you, Julian. That was kind of rude of me, but I just, that makes but my that's skin normal. Problem. That's fine. I'm used to it. No, I, <laughs> I, I guess. I guess my point is that this is a game that I mean, e- even in the beta, there I believe it was true that the tournament mode for like single player wasn't even there for most of the beta. Isn't that true? Right. So that, I mean, is, that so, is true, but that's because I mean, you don't. We didn't really need to beta test the single player. Right, but but my point is clearly this wasn't an issue where you were spending, uh, you know, acres and acres and acres of time refining a single player experience and multiplayer was a bolt on, which it is for many, 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 many games. Um, this it really strikes me that this is a multiplayer experience. I mean, and it's a great one. It is. I want to be clear. I love this game, and I think as a four-on-four strategy game, it's really unique. I can't really think of anything that fits the same mold, um, where well, you my- can hop in with you know seven other players and play for an hour to an hour and a half, and have a real great knockdown, dragout slugfest with lots of strategy and lots of uh, you know turnings of the tide. So I think it's great that way. But I. I I, I get bristled a little bit when people what, what, with what sounds like a defense that well you know the single player was still good but then so it's un, somehow unfair that the reviews skew this because the multiplayer was down on launch. 
Well, the, I would say the only review I really objected to was the GameSpot one because they they got on on day one where I mean we were just basically host and and if these were issues that we should have known about it would be one thing but I mean in in, in in all honesty we should have been able we should have done more research on the effects of how much uh, the demographic of people who play this kind of game that piracy would be much more of a f- issue on this than it would be on say Sins of the Solar Empire. But when doing a review, I, I guess the question I would ask myself is, if I'm running into an issue that's transitory, that is, is this issue going to be here in, in two or three days? And that w- that's why I really took ob- uh, took issue with the, the GameSpot reviews, because w- what was the hurry? I mean, the same, the same reviewer had also reviewed Age of Conan. Remember how its launch was? And yeah. you know, any okay. number of games fall into that. Yeah, I, I, I hear I, I understand that, Brad. But I, I've got to. I mean, I, I I don't can't believe I'm jumping into a, a defensive review that I've never even read or know anything about. Um, but I just want to say that as having reviewed games like this on that kind of timeline where you want to get a review out um, and you've done everything you can to play the game, and then you get on to the multiplayer and it's some sort of a giant fiasco. I mean, I remember bending over backwards to try to uh, sort of see the good parts of World War II online when, you know, that was just a complete, you know... I mean, that was a, that was a worse fiasco than Iraq. And uh, I think that, you know, just... You can't... You really can't please anyone because if you, if you try to predict, like you said, well, is this problem going to be here in three days? Well, I mean, how the heck do I know? Maybe it'll be here like forever. Maybe, you know, Stardock doesn't have any idea what they're doing. I mean, I'm, I'm just saying, you know, I can't, uh, I can't all of a sudden arbitrarily decide that, well, you know, Brad Wardell's a really sharp guy and he'll have this, this thing fixed in 72 hours. Could um, you contact a developer and find out what's going on? Well, but I mean, but so I so I contact the developer and they say, oh, we'll have it fixed. It'll be it'll be no problem. Just like I contact you know oh, developers all the time to ask when their game is going to be out, and they say, yeah, oh, you it's, you know, it's coming out. You get, but make them give them a time. Tell them to say, all right, twenty four hours. And right? then what it's happens if it doesn't? What happens if I say that it'll be fixed in twenty four hours? And now it's not fixed in twenty four hours. Who looks That's bad? You're the developer. Too bad for the developer though. Then at that uh, point, looks a lot worse for me. I think the problem, I think, I I get what you're saying, Bruce, but I think the problem becomes when you, and I haven't read the GameSpot review, I I just know that it it wasn't very kind, but the the problem is when uh, you review the launch of the game in in lieu of the actual game. Uh, I think there's, you can easily see uh, how Demigod plays as a multiplayer game. You can easily see, I think, what I feel is its brilliance by playing on a LAN. Or by playing, you know, hooking oh, up with someone who has I their routers. I think that's I, totally, totally. No, not no, no, no. Well, hold on, hold on, hold on. Let me let me finish my point though. The thing is, how much of your review, if you want to talk about how well it works as multiplayer, as far as like a design and how well it plays, can you get a multiplayer game going? Yes, it works fine. But if I were reviewing the game and if I had to turn in the review early, then yes, you, you certainly mention it has launch problems. You know, we'll, we'll see how that goes. If that becomes the basis for your review or why you do or don't like the game, I feel that you're putting a dis- disproportionate emphasis on the launch of the game rather than the game itself. Right. And, I, and say I, think, oh, wait, I say this, hold on, as someone who's reviewed plenty of games that have had screwy launches. And, and I've had to turn in reviews of like MMOs in their first two weeks and there's a way you can just sort of take the launch into account as one aspect of the game and not as a rationale for dismissing it or or 
or, or writing it off as broken or, or whatever. Uh, well, remember, well, you guys, remember when? Well, wait, when, remember when World of Warcraft came out? The reviews of the game were made before the actual launch. If you guys, I mean, you guys were all reviewers, so you probably remember that during the review process took place before the game launched. Then the game launched, and there were, for the first month or so, you couldn't actually get on to play it because they didn't have enough servers. Remember, they even oh, gave you could. Uh, we played it every day. The, uh, Tom and um, Mark Asher and I played it every day. But in the beta, in no, the beta, we, no, we released? played the launch, Tom. Oh, that's right. I guess we did. Remember that? We played yeah, it. Well, I'm, not saying, well, I'm not saying that every single per- – obviously, some percentage of people were able to get on and play, just like the same is true in Demigod. I mean, there's a, based on our own logs, so you, you know, the majority of people can go on and play the game, no problem. The point is is that could you imagine how the most of the reviews for World of Warcraft were done prior to the launch – um, and uh, you know where they weren't having to share right. resources with a gazillion other players, and that's one of my points. Is I mean, obviously, I don't have any objection to the only review I have a pro- had a problem with was the GameSpot review because it was literally that first twenty-four hour period, twenty-four hours in which this was a case where I mean, GameSpot had was the one that had reported that GameStop had broken the street date. In fact, the review showed up right under their headline, and they never contacted us and said, hey, what's the deal? Why can't I get online? And we would have said, our servers are hosts because we have 140,000 people on, even though we've only you know, sold at that point 20-some thousand copies, of which 18,000 were on at the same time. Yeah, that's a good point, and I think that you know it should be... <clears throat> I don't really understand why in you know game, quote, journalism, and quote... Um, People don't use. I'm sorry, I had to. I, I, imagine me using air quotes. Um, the, <laughs> that um, the uh, people can't actually call. Is it? Is that just not done? People don't phone people or 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 send them emails. I know emails are kind of throwaway and they never get answered. But can't you call somebody up and say, "Hey, I'm having this problem," uh, or is that seen as somehow you know kowtowing to the developer or, or being a you know, not being an investigative reporter or whatever other... Boy, I have my have. answer, but go ahead. <laughs> I, I send out emails all the time. Uh, if there's a bug or it crashes, something's going wrong, I always, you know, ask, so what's up? Is this something wrong with the bills? Is there something wrong with my system? Is there a hardware incompatibility I should know about? I mean, this is... And when I review as many Eastern European strategy games as I've had to do... Uh, <laughs> You know, it's something you have to keep track of, especially the hardware incompatibility stuff, where things seem to crash for no reason at all. So well, it is a civiliz- problem, though. Go ahead, remember, when 4, uh, remember when Civilization 4 shipped, it had a problem with certain ATI cards. You guys yeah. remember that? Can you imagine if the reviewer said, oh, you know, there's this, it doesn't work on my machine, and I'm not going to call the developer for whatever reason. I'm going to give it a low score because it's obviously buggy. And it was only because ATI had updated their drivers and they did something where they hosed the memory mapping of large files uh, in, uh, being put into memory. And they had it, I mean, and Fraxis had it fixed a week later and, and everyone was happy. And what's happening, the problem with that's happening is, that, and you see this more and more, is that game publishers are sending out review copies later and later. I was noticing with Dawn of War, even Empire Earth, or I mean Empire Total War, the reviews, the reviews of that game of those two games came out significantly. They certainly didn't show up on the first day that the game was publicly available. And you know, whereas I, I have to ask, well, why did the Demigod review need to come out the very first day? That doesn't excuse Stardock for not, you know, for being babes in the woods about the network 
uh, right. you know, infrastructure necessary. I don't want to make it sound like, oh, well, Stardock's making excuses. Hey, we Stardock blew it by not doing better research on the bandwidth, and so it's going to be another couple of days, I imagine, before everyone's happy. But still, why that first 24 hours? Well, I think I, because... I think- Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. You guys go. I, I have to get my tiny little jab in here against you know the under thirty uh, journalism set because I Ooh. swear to God, and now I'm going to sound like old man rabbit here. I <laughs> yes. swear to God, there is something for people who were born like after 1975 or something like that who are unwilling to pick up the freaking phone and call somebody to ask a question. I cannot. I, tell what about email? Email would have been fine. I mean, the, but, I, but, I mean, but but I mean, but I would understand if you didn't get an email answer during a day like that. But the reality is, I have never once had somebody not return a phone call in this business. Not once. Yet emails go nowhere all the time. So the idea that somehow somebody's sitting there and they don't bother to make a phone call or three to like get an answer to a question as you're writing a review, I find that that just fills me with ire and rage. But anyway, on, I'll well, I thought this. the other reviews were pretty fair. I mean, I, even the one I mean, I'm not happy that one up and and uh, even um, IGN gave it lower scores than I would have liked. But the fact is, is that they they weighed in that they they felt it was a multi mostly multiplayer game and they ran into problems. I'm o- I'm OK with that, um, you know, because they made a decision that, OK, it's been two days or three days and the ser- they haven't fixed the server problem. We're going to we're going to deduct points on that, though. I hope they'll revisit it once we've thrown more hardware at the issue. The it, like I said, it was just a GameStop one where it was literally that first day where we had one hundred forty thousand people hammering the server. And, you know, that's I guess I don't want to belabor it, but that's where I'm coming from. I get if, if, I Julian can get say, on his, uh, if Julian can get on his soapbox about uh, phone calls, I want to take the opportunity to get on my soapbox about uh, review scores. I don't think any of this would be an issue if they didn't have to slap a stupid number on yes, their review. Thank you. Uh, just write about Demigod, mention that it has launch problems, and get on with it. You know, don't try to come up with some arbitrary number and some calculus for how much the launch. Oh my God, I'm agreeing with Tom about something. The, the world number. is coming to an end. Yeah, well, you want to know the sick? How sick it is? Is that? Uh, and I won't say who, but most. Of the major retailers based a reorder uh, reorder buys. Oh, on I know. Medi- I on Metacritic. Oh, we know. Yeah, it's ridiculous. I just want to. If everybody's getting up on a soapbox, I just want to um, pass on my getting up on a soapbox. I want to get on Julian's soapbox because I'm actually like totally with that whole thing about telephones. But uh, um, Brad, I just want to point out that you know you could have you could have totally totally avoided this entire thing in one of two ways. One, done a better job with the network code. And had everything like, you know, a billion servers and all this bandwidth. Or you could have just had like a super long involved single player story campaign and then nobody would have cared about the multiplayer because they would have all been playing a single player story campaign. And you would have all gotten like, you know, a total break on the multiplayer. Sure. Well, with regards to uh, issue number one, which is about, the, you know, having more testing, I mean, we obviously, it, we did our own stress test. We stress tested out to 50,000 users, which is. You know, literally five times what Sins of a Solar Empire has done at its peak in terms of connections, and where we blew it is that we didn't we didn't take seriously how many when something gets pirated when these multiplayer games get pirated out there, just how many connections end up being made to the server, and that's really what brought us down. Um, obviously, lesson learned. I don't think a beta would not have a longer beta or what have you would not have solved that though. The uh, issue with regards to having a single player more that really wasn't. I mean. 
I, I mean, I can agree or disagree to that, but it's really that one's not really our call. I mean, ultimately, it is Gas Power Games' baby, and you know, we we agreed to their vision and uh, we published what they had in mind. Okay, I want to move on to Elemental, but first, I want to ask if you will be amending your Gamers Bill of Rights to put a functioning multiplayer network somewhere in there. I don't know. I think uh, I think I'll stay away from publishing uh, third-party multiplayer games for a little while until uh, <laughs> until it's kind of weird. I mean, the whole thing is it's hard enough to get all the compatibility issues on the PC down pat when it's just hardware, right? That video card, or because even as I go through the forums, I see people say I can't get Demigod to start. Well, God, I have no idea why that'd be for someone. Uh, then you get into uh, networking, and I mean, and I talked about a crash course this past week. You get these people <laughs> over in Europe, uh, my friends of mine, a quarter to three, and you find out talking to them that they have these weird ASD. Over there, it's common for their ADSL modems to have multiple connections to multiple lines to them, and every request is a different IP address. And you know, over here in the United States, we have things called cable modems, and our IP does not change in a given session. So there's, it's just been, a, a, like I said, a real trial by fire. You got, you, got, you got major props for the video you did where you blamed it all on your kid. I really enjoyed Yeah, it. and he's only eight, <laughs> by the way. He's not ten. No, he's only eight. Okay. <laughs> so before we move on, can we talk about how awesome Demigod is, or are we just yes. gonna, should we save that? Hey, well, I wanna, one thing I do want to ask, yeah. what do you think the odds, given the unusual circumstances here, that we'll be able to get the game magazines and such to just take a second look at it when the hardware or the back-end stuff is taken care of? Are you going to watch a game magazine? Editor, it would happen already. Well, I mean, to the web scenes mainly. <laughs> I don't think they do that. I mean, do they? I mean, they, they, don't, no. they don't care. They're just going to put up their little bit and then sort of move on, I think. Uh, yeah, I mean, they, 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 uh, they have done some revisits. I mean, G- Game for Windows did some revisits, but usually it's because... Of like, MMOs or uh, of normal games? Well, that's a good point. Probably a lot of it has been MMOs. I know I we did that with MMOs. Yeah. Right, and Demigod kind of falls in between an MMO and a typical RTS. No, it doesn't. What are you talking about? What? <laughs> you it has can't a, say that. We, why not? It has it's a mildly <laughs> tiny little persisting part. Uh, Brad, well, you guys will get some more press when you... Because uh, I know there, there are plans that Gas Powered has to release new Demigods. I think that's your best chance for like a second push. Uh which, by the way, I do not envy Gas Powered having to try to come up with. I don't know if they've already got ideas or, but having to come up with two more demigods to fit into that 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 sort of balancing act. I mean, all the demigods in there, I've alternated from thinking they either suck or they're too awesome. Uh, yes, and I don't exactly. know how you're going to throw the best two part more of the game. in there. Yeah, because I've wanted to intermittently nerf or superpower every single one of them, which is a great thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know. Well, basically, if you lose, your demigod is too weak, and the other guy is exactly. overpowered. <laughs> exactly. <Yeah. laughs> exactly. I don't know, Tom. Have you found a way to use Sedna effectively? I still yes, think absolutely. Really? I will kick your butt with Sedna. I love her. I mean, the thing is, being able to heal at will on the field, I think, is huge. Uh, so yeah, when you push her advantage, I think she's because I used to hate her as well. Yeah, I know. I've definitely had games where. Uh, that that ability, you know, you sit there, you go toe to toe with another demigod. You know, he thinks he's damaging you, and you just heal up like that, and you're fine. I mean, she's just got incredible staying power with her heat when you when you emphasize her healing abilities. I think, you know, uh, I'm her all about the unclean beast. I'm all about the yeah. unclean beast. He's great too. Yeah, I don't have a favorite. I don't think I could name a favorite at this point. I love I love all eight of them equally. 
I love well, watching. Queen of Thorns book. seems to be the least popular in terms of the number of uh, games people play with. Uh, with oh, her. is that true? Wow, oh, I yeah. totally understand that. She's difficult. She requires like she's like as close to having to micromanage as you get in this game. Yeah, you've got a whole thing like when you close and open her flower, and uh, yeah, she's. But okay, yeah, I could see that. Do you know which and, one is the most popular, Fred? I would say. Well, I'm looking at the stats right now um, on the, the, the demigod page. It appears Torchbearer is slightly the most popular. Ah, uh, cheesy. I could he's see straight, that. He's straightforward. I understand that. I played him a lot in the beginning. I, I find Regulus to be the easiest to play. I mean, he just he just goes around shooting stuff, whereas the uh, Torchbearer has multiple fire and ice modes and stuff like that. And yeah, it looks like pretty straightforward, too. Regulus can be a little bit tissue paper in the beginning if you're not careful. Um, and so if you're just starting out and you're like, try, you try one game with everyone... I can see why you come back to Torchbearer and you're like, okay, I get this. It's a mage, you know? <laughs> <laughs> okay, so, Brad, do you want to tell us a little bit about, a bit about Elemental? First, describe it for our listeners. What is sure. Elemental War of Magic? Well, Elemental is our uh, upcoming turn-based fantasy strategy game in which you start in a world where the world has been totally devastated through a cataclysm. So at the beginning, the world is basically barren, except for your little parts along with your opponents who are – there's – 12 different factions that you can choose from in the game. Um, two different races. Some people have thought, oh, there's only two races? Like, well, you know, technically in civilization, there's only one race. They're all humans. And this, there's two races <laughs> of which there's 12 factions. Uh, but your your job is to grow, go out and grow your empire by founding new cities and uh, researching new technology and fighting wars and making negotiating treaties, building trade routes and all that good stuff. And how far along is it? Like, how much of the design is done? I'm, I'm curious, like, what kind of specific questions can we ask you? Oh, you can um, pretty much ask uh, anything you want. Uh, I mean, at this point, we don't have a lot of the stuff executed. I mean, it's not fully implemented because we're still about a year away. And uh, my uh, my two-year-old just came in the in my office. Uh, but she's going to be – you might hear her in the background. Yeah, hey! <laughs> awesome. <laughs> Bye bye. <laughs> um, but uh, anyway, uh, yeah, I mean, what we're we're gonna do our our, our usual uh, beta phase. So we're gonna add an early beta phase because we haven't done a game quite like this. So in June of this year, we're gonna have what we're gonna call beta zero, which is basically an alpha where you can play the game, but only on the cloth map. So because we figure if the game's fun, it should still be pretty fun even on a cloth map. I mean, even if it's basically X's and O's, so to speak. And then in beta uh, 1, which will be later in the summer, we'll you know, bring in the fancy graphics and all that. Okay, you said Tell you me a little bit about how it's different from... Uh, so I, I, and then just a full disclosure, I uh, helped you write the manual for the second uh, Galactic Civilizations. So I got a little insight into kind of how your mind works when you create a game. Which was at times a little uh, a little baffling because I couldn't. And there's still <laughs> there's still parts of Galactic Civilizations too that even having written the manual, I have no idea how they work. I just well, I yeah, I, well the, the economy. If we do a Galactic three, that whole economy thing is going to get tossed out. Well, that's that what whole, I'm wondering. It seemed like Galactic Civilization had a bunch of ideas that had just existed for so long because that game goes way back with you. Uh, yeah. That just kind of snowballed forward. So here you are, sort of starting fresh. Uh, how is this going to differ from Galactic Civilizations? How is this not going to be Galactic Civilizations with Elves? 
Oh, com- it's well, there's no elves either. Uh, but it's, it's <laughs> that's it right com- there. <laughs> there you go. It's it's a, com- a completely different economic system. I mean, there's nothing. It's not even similar to Galactizations, I think, in gameplay in any way. Uh, you have your your you get your money from your citizens. Your armies come from your citizens in this game are your resource, and your soldiers and your and that come from your citizenry. So you have to bring them in. Um, your research and that sort of thing comes from what you can what you build. But there's no in uh, elemental. There is no tax rate, for example. There is there are no there's no sliders in mm-hmm. elemental. Instead, it's basically uh, just, it's it comes down to what you've built what you're going to get. So you don't have to, you're not messing around with a bunch of sliders, that kind of mm-hmm. junk. Uh, a tech tree, a magic system. There's two types of tech trees. You got your regular tech tree where you're, you know, learning, uh, getting better armor and better, um, better weapons, better things to build in your city that your mundane, basically think of it as your mundane tech tree. And then you have your, uh, magic tech tree, which is where you're researching new spells for you, you and your, uh, your, your generals, your heroes to make use of. So, and go ahead, Bruce. go ahead. So, I guess my question. Well, I'm going to take it away from all that. I mean, this is a very nice little feature list that you're giving us, and I can easily see it being uh, re- reproduced verbatim in some kind of uh, news item uh, that everybody wants to know all the little bullet points. But, Brad, for you, you're making a basically like a four X. Um, fantasy game. I've already made a 4X uh, space exploration game. What do you think's like the... And obviously you played Civ 4. So, I mean, what's the thing that you put in, that you, you see as being the kind of the defining characteristic of a, of, a, um, of a 4X fantasy game that makes it a 4X fantasy game? Don't think magic. Uh, for me, it's... I, I really want to see... Remember at the beginning of Lord of the Rings where you see Sauron just beating the crap out of elves and humans? He's just he's just wiping them down and they're flying and stuff. Do you remember that scene? Yeah. I uh, want I want to do that. <laughs> I want to be able to build up my guy so that I go out there and I'm, in, I'm so powerful that I can go into battle and I'm actually just, you know, able to do that. And the other guys are going to flying. And I want to be able to become so powerful or, you know, the player become so powerful that they can just completely devastate chunks of the world. Kind of like, remember in Populous, the, the original, mm-hmm. you know, the Amiga yeah. version? You know, yeah. you're bringing up volcanoes and stuff. I miss being able to do that. And I'd like to see that. But in a game where it's not, you know, there's actually cities and, and you know, trade routes and stuff going on here. And there's rains of fire coming down to disrupt it. That's what I want to see. So for you, it's I all about the destruction. Picture. It's all about what? Yeah, basically, it's, a, it's basically about blaze of destruction. So this, for me, Brad, brings, I, I was joking last week with these guys in that I was going to ask you this, but that I wouldn't because it was rude. But in the end, <laughs> well, we crossed anyway. that bridge a long time ago. <laughs> okay, well, in the interest of entertaining our audience, I'm going to hit you with this. And I don't mean this to sound as uh, sort of dismissive as it might sound. So apologies. It's going to sound advance. pretty darn dismissive. It really is. Uh, brace yourself. Uh, I'm curious, what because what you just described is a need that has been met for me. Uh, that I feel in a way this has almost sated my need for fantasy strategy games, especially with the level of destruction you're talking about. Uh, I feel like I don't need another one of these games ever because of a mod for Civilization IV called Fall from Heaven 2. So do you not look at that and, and sort of get nervous and dismayed and despondent at what has been 
outdated and sort of feel a little discouraged and think that maybe you should just go do sci-fi. <laughs> no, no. I mean, I, I think when you actually pl- when you play the game and you see the scale. I mean, for one of the things, first of all, uh, th- that mod is excellent. But I mean, it is built around the Civilization Four engine, which is was designed some years ago. And there's a lot of things you just can't do um, with it that you can do here. Um, there's you don't really have the quest type system in this. The way I try to describe this to people who are, aren't into games is who have played like Dungeons and Dragons and that kind of thing is you ever play D and D and every in those games you're always you're a party in a given world and uh, you're, you're you're wreaking havoc but there's some sovereign who's running the land that you're in well now you're the sovereign and there's these people running around you know going on quests and and getting items and that kind of thing and it sounds like a majesty I, um yeah there's a, a, probably an element to that but. I mean, it's like I said. It, it, when you go and look at the bullet points of any game, right, if you look at Galactizations and you just were to look at a description, you go, "Well, I have this Master Ryan, or I have this in Space Empires sure. Five, sure. and it really comes down to the execution of it that mm-hmm. really makes the difference between any of these kinds of games." How are you how talking big a team about the execution? Uh, are you talking about the scale? Well, no. When I talk about the execution, I'm just talking about it's the differences in detail that really look make cool. these right. Well, not just no, not just that. I'm just saying. Well, right. But that, I mean, that's Master Ryan, Master Ryan, and Galactic Civilizations on paper sound very similar, but when you play them, they're very different. Oh, I see. I get your point. Okay. How big a team do you have working on Elemental? We have about a dozen people on it that are full time, and then um, you know we have contractors, a contract artists, and that kind of thing that come in and out of the project. It's quite a bit bigger than anything we've done before in terms of, um, you know, compared to Galactizations 2, which was only six people. Why do you hate elves? <laughs> Everybody hates elves. I, I like elves, Nobody, but I love elves. elves. I, I loved I, elves, you guys. He would have elves in Elemental. He said there are no elves. Obviously, he hates elves, and I just they wanted don't, to know. They don't fall into the backstory. There's... To, there's no explanation. There would be no reason to have elves per se. Well, you okay. could have asked they, if they didn't the actually happen in the backstory that you have, because they just that's the way it was. So right. They, in, in the backstory, there's the only the only two sentient beings that you start that are truly native, so to speak, to the world are people, men, and dragons. And there's lots of the powers that be have over time created other. Races out of them, uh, of which the Fallen are the only major one that's in the game, and then of course there are factions. But there isn't. I mean, you could have. Now, there's nothing stopping a player from introducing elves and and orcs and trolls and goblins. Actually, there are trolls. You mean through mods? Not just through mods. Um, one of the things we're doing is that the modding is built into the game, so players can actually uh, create their own races if they want, and then submit them, and they become part of the online experience. In the game, kind of like Spore. Ah, that's I, interesting. You've said that you'll, in Beta Zero, you're going to have people playing from the cloth map. And in the video, it was a GDC, uh, you saw the camera zoom out, and you could see the map from this really starting at the castle level or city level and then zooming out. Why do the art at all if you can play it from the map? Well, I've always felt that any game you can play should be able to basically play as X's and O's, right? Or um, Galaxizations, you could play. You can play all Galaxizations from the, uh, for, you know, just from the what's it called, the strategic stream zoom out view, right? Yeah, 
tactical zoom or whatever, um, strategic zoom, you can zoom out and play the whole game that way. But obviously, if we did that, we, I mean, it would not be very popular. And there'd be lots of artists who didn't get to eat. <laughs> right. Plus, I want—I really want to see the the battles, and uh, I want to see my light world come to life when, as I'm building it up and seeing. I, I mean, there is for a reason you can zoom in and, and uh, remember it, black and white. Remember that game? If you oh, took yeah. away no. its experience, so to speak, there was how much game was there? If it was just X's and O's. Now, I have a question about two elements that I'm curious how you feel about these. Uh, the first, uh, so you mentioned this sort of spore player community thing with, with uh, users creating content that everyone can share. That's one thing. But uh, how, what are your feelings? Because Galsov never had this, and I know it was a popular request. Uh, what are your feelings about head-to-head multiplayer? And oh, is that going to be this, part of Elemental? Yeah, yeah, this will have head-to-head multiplayer. Heck, if we're spending all this money on uh, getting demigods... <laughs> Multiplayer going, you can bet we're going to make use of that. (laughs) Uh, Now, we did a podcast last week on asymmetry in game design. Uh, You you mentioned there's only two races, but I think you said 12 Uh, sub-factions. Can you tell us a little bit about your approach to asymmetry and uh, how much you want that to be part of the design and elemental? Well, what we wanted is we wanted to have there be a good and evil... um, races in the game. The reason for that is when the good is building up, the land is good, you know, looks nice and like we you know friendly and happy. And when evil builds up, it's ruined and mordory, you know, it's very you know, disgusting and nasty. And you see and if you get into battles on the other guy's turf, you're at a disadvantage. But we wanted to be able to visually do that. And the best way to do that was to have two sets of terrain for the map. I mean, obviously, there's lots of different types of terrain, you know, swamp and all that, but a good set for all the types of terrain and an evil set. And that's where having two different races came into play. I mean, doesn't that seem kind of biased against, like, the evil race? I mean, couldn't you just have them both have the same graphics and just have them be different colors? Well, they there's what's the bias? Seems like you're making a value judgment against evil. <laughs> <laughs> Bruce is all about relativism between good and evil. That's. I, I, yeah, well, I was well, just worried about the elves, personally. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, we we do I, we do from a cosmetic point of view, there may be an anti-evil bias, but I have a but, feeling. But you would, but you're going to put a disclaimer in the game, right? That this in no way is a is a uh, is meant to offend anyone who may be evil. <laughs> yeah, we we, uh, we neither condemn nor condone uh, <laughs> evil. evil. Yeah, yeah, I know you just got to sell as many copies as possible. No, right, I see, yeah, I knew that. we were dealing with a lot of uh, yeah. That's all. That, that's uh, that's that left wing thought there. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, Turn based, yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, Tile based. Uh yes. Mm-hmm. Well, so, it's all three D, so it's going to be kind of artificial tiles. You won't really right. see the tiles. So what can you tell us about the quest system? Basically, the when you there will be various little events on the map, and they, they kind of categorize the ones we've had in so far. Is you'll, you'll go somewhere, you'll see something, and they'll say, oh, if you can go and do this, this, and this, I will give you this. Or, um, you know, there's basically they set you up for adventures with your heroes, and you can choose to go on them or not. One of the winning conditions is to go on this very, this multi-stage uh, quest that if you accomplish all of it, that's one of the ways of winning the game. Of course, it won't be easy to do it, but um, that's one of your options to victory is to try to complete the quest. 
But there's lots of little mini quests and that going into dungeons and finding things and that kind of thing. And these are variable from session to session? Oh, yeah, they're all random. And then you mentioned a beta, a beta zero. Uh, do you have uh, currently an ETA for when that's available, and how will people be able to get into that? Uh, we're looking at June right now. Mm-hmm. And is it traditionally like in the past, people who have pre-ordered have been able to play Stardust, uh games in beta? Is it that sort of thing, or is there a different yep. program you have in mind? Okay, it, exactly the same. If you pre-order the beta, you'll be able to get the the beta. Okay, so what is Elemental not? There's a lot of people. What what, what, the, what is the game not? Have there been reading any misconceptions of the game? Like early on, people were talking about it as some sort of Master of Magic thing, and apparently, it's not Master of Magic. It's not literally Master of Magic. I mean, it's 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 substantially different. I mean, it's probably the closest game to Master of Magic that's come out that I'm aware of, and and since Master of Magic, even more so than uh, Age of Wonders, uh, to Shadow Magic, um, it's you know it heavily re- uh, revolves around ha- uh, the randomly generated worlds, which is where we put a lot of our time. So it's not very focused on having. Uh, pre-made maps, so to speak, though we will have them. Uh, it's not, it's obviously, like I said, it's not real time. It's, uh, I'm trying to think of things it's not. I haven't seen a lot of misconceptions on the net yet. There'll be plenty of time for that, I guess. Well, now, isn't it true, Mr. Brad Wardell, that Elemental began in your mind as an update of Master of Magic specifically? I'm, it did. I'm putting you well, on the spot here. Well, absolutely. I mean, originally I wanted to make a Master of Magic 2. And, but what uh, happened? Well, Atari came to us, and they wanted us to make, this is a while ago, they wanted us to make a Star Control 4 and a Master of Magic 2. And they, uh, so we got all the details, you know, the biz, their biz dev and our biz dev worked out the details, and it fell apart in in their legal area, because they wanted all kinds of, they basically wanted to own whatever we made. Now, I know you can't say this because you're too nice, so I'll say it for you. Those jerks. <laughs> <laughs> well, it was. I, I, I agree. It was. Well, it was an opportunity lost. I, I think. But in the end, I mean, we probably are way better off having not done it because when you're doing something like that, you have to uh, greatly expand on what's there. I, I've seen the pain that Gas Power Games has gone with uh, gone through with Demigod because early on they were doing comparisons with Dota, the uh, that Warcraft 3 mod. And, of course, the game comes out, and it's not Dota. But you, So you have a lot of Dota fans going, well, why doesn't it do this or why can't you do that? Where's the item recipes or the last hit and that kind of thing? It's like, well, because it's not Dota. And it's like, well, you guys promised. <laughs> and I can imagine, uh, uh, you know, we would if it, people who are expecting it to be exactly like Master Magic 2 will certainly not be happy about the things were changing, I suspect. I, by the way, I had no idea that that uh, that Star Control Four was part of that. That when you just said that, my heart sort of like fluttered. It did this weird little like skip a beat thing. Uh, <laughs> a Stardock made Star Control Four could possibly even erase the existence of that wretched Star Control Three. Uh, and put yeah. the universe back in balance. That would have well, been Well, that awesome. was a joke we, we said at the time. It's like, what would we just call Star Control 3? And which is, it'll be like Star <laughs> Trek 5. We're going to redo Star Trek 5. It didn't happen. <laughs> uh, I'm curious what you think of the fact that uh, Bruce Garrick earlier in this podcast called Iraq a fiasco. Well, he called it a fiasco? Well, it certainly has been run terribly. I mean, 
I actually didn't make it. I will will correct you. I said that the uh, launch of uh, Demigod's multiplayer was a bigger fiasco than Iraq. Actually, the launch of World War II online was a bigger fiasco than Iraq. Which implies, that however, said, that Iraq... We have to go back to the tape on this. <laughs> uh, we'll go back to the tape. <laughs> yeah, we'll it, was for, it was World War II online. Okay, but, but well, you I did, guess... You did, that does apply... Uh, that, that does... You did say implied. that Iraq is a fiasco. You definitely said it was a fiasco. You just didn't specify the size of the fiasco. Exactly. So maybe so it was a negative that. fiasco, which is good. Oh, yeah, you got me there. <laughs> Damn you, Man, Bruce. Damn you. slippery. I'm just... I watch Negative. too much Fox News. <laughs> I'm sorry. As opposed, I didn't, to, as opposed I, to what? What else is there to watch? Great. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Oh, perfect. Oh, man. Can we have read every week? <laughs> <laughs> well, we could, but I'm sure he's very busy. Well, especially uh, this week. I, I, I spend a lot of my time because it's like herding cats, right? Because I don't know network coding at all. I'm a, you know, AI, I can do AI coding, but I can basically stand around uh, on Skype uh, yelling at GPG and Stardock guys like, whatever you do, go faster. It's like uh, the episode of where of The Simpsons where uh, it's a Scorpio episode, and all Homer can really do is, can you go faster? <laughs> do whatever you're doing faster? Yeah. Well, now, I imagine all of this is uh, negatively impacting your World of Warcraft habit. Is that correct? Yeah, I haven't been. I I had to quit World of Warcraft because I did get pretty addicted to it, and it was affecting. Uh, it was affecting release dates. Really? Yeah. Well, didn't you notice that Twilight Yarnor came out late last year? <laughs> no, I'm serious. That's what happened. I got into two. You are blaming. Warcraft. You can't blame World of Warcraft for that. Look at you're a slip. You're as slippery as that Bruce fella. <laughs> oh, I'm not blaming you. I blame myself for my weakness. But did I had to get actually, my. I, did you actually I had to get my mount. Your characters. I, I'm not deleting my characters, but it's not going. We're not uh, talking. You just really can't right? do that. Yeah, uh, you I have can't. not quit World of Warcraft. You're not allowed to say that. We will not accept that. Until I'm you on a sabbatical from World of Warcraft. <laughs> Don't people quit World of Warcraft all the time? No, but there's quitting yes, and then there's going times. and deleting your characters. Yeah. Oh. I only know one person, like co-host on Gamers with Jobs, actually deleted all of his characters, then started a new account and went right back in. <laughs> so perfect. Which is just a whole different kind of sick. Yeah. <laughs> well, before we conclude, uh, I would like to tell listeners that I have a prize for our listeners. Uh, the other day, a collector's edition of Demigod showed up at my doorstep, and I already had one. So. For the listeners, if you send me your email address and your name, I will draw one of them, and then you will get the Demigod Collector's Edition, which has a pewter figurine of the Minotaur slash Rook, a poster, and a soundtrack CD. Now, I don't have the soundtrack CD, but I never listen to the music anyway. So send your email address and your name to troy.goodfellow at gmail.com. We'll enter you in a raffle. Uh, make sure I have the address. Entries must be in by the 30th of April. We're not going to make anybody wanna... jump through hoops. There's no, no we're not going to. Here's the thing. I, I want to say, just in the in the uh, in, in the new sort of free press atmosphere that I feel now that Brad's on the show and, and I'm not being uh, you know monitored by the KGB, is that uh, we were originally going to have a uh, a contest uh, that would you know. We would have to select a winner. And the thing that we were going to do is we we're going to have the best uh, idea for a single-player uh, campaign 
That's uh, awesome. I, I can't believe we didn't do that. What yeah, happened? And because Troy well, said no. <laughs> no, I think I think Tom said no. Yeah, it was it was it was, oh, it was deemed to be Tom. too rude. See, this is this is the kind of uh, you know communist thinking that we're uh, you know uh, subject to here at this podcast is that that would be too that would um, that would be show disrespect to our fearless leader, Brad Wardell, <laughs> by calling attention to the shortcomings of his game. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So actually, so, I in my own defense. So Commodore I, I Chicks just... actually shut that down, and uh, I wanted, uh, <laughs> actually Tom had a better argument. That... Right, I was I was being <laughs> facetious when I said that. I mean, really, what happened? I mean, that is, I would love to hear from people about like what ideas they have for the single player campaign in Demigod. There's there's I rich material in history coming here. So go. <laughs> <laughs> I would love to hear that. But here's why I think it's not necessarily a good idea for a contest. Is then Troy is going to have three people who write out something and send it in, and he's, we're just going to have to pick one of those three guys. Where if we just have people send in their addresses and say, hey, I want it, then you know we'll have a real drawing, and I think there will be more people. That How about those people who, send in, people who send in 100 words on their best single-player campaign idea get two entries? Or you can ah. just email in and you get one entry. Well, I think the bigger concern is, until you've played Demigod, you don't know what the single-player is missing. And, and exactly. or you establish and, and just, you just read the reviews at GameSpot and you have the arbiter of all truth. <laughs> yes, <laughs> Kevin Van Ord is the arbiter of truth. All right, well, good stuff. All right, uh, <laughs> there we go. Just, just to just to sort of uh, make everything official, do people need to write a 100-word essay about what kind of campaign would go in Demigod or not to be eligible? They, they do not. All they have to do is send in uh, their email address and their name, and I will draw from there. However, if people do want to send in uh, single-player campaign Demigod ideas, whether you want uh, the collector's edition or not, please send them in, and we can talk about them, and maybe think And we'll forward it. them all back to Brad. And, and we, will forever for, grade. We, know we will forward, oh, forward them my, all on I to... I have my own ideas on, on, on a single-player campaign, but... Uh, I mean, By the way, I'd Brad, like, I don't... I, I don't think you're eligible for this contest, Brad. Employees of gas-powered games, Stardock, and FlashOfSteel.com are not eligible for the prize. Oh, <laughs> Hosed so again. Mean. Well, you're not so an employee, mean. Julian. I'm not paying you. <laughs> I Wait, should. you somebody else? I no. get 100 bucks a show. You don't? Oh, jeez, man. I oh, was be- I not supposed to? I'm sorry. If I didn't pay Tom, no one would listen. <laughs> <laughs> or at least nobody would fail to listen with such vigor. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Brad, for being with us this week. We hope to have awesome. you on sometime again. Well, hopefully when uh, I get some sleep and uh, we get this Demigod update, or you know, to get the server stuff and the updates out, we'll have something else to talk about. <laughs> like all the all the in-game complaints that'll naturally come up of uh, where people are looking, they think that their demigod is too weak and the one that beat them was too powerful. Uh, I can't wait to li- read your nerf sheet. That's going to be great. <laughs> <laughs> nerf the rook. I still think the rook's too powerful. <laughs> I've beaten him, but I still think he's too powerful. Uh, I, I think that uh, my my personal feeling is that the uh, regulus is too powerful. I think Lord Erebus is too powerful. I don't really have an opinion. <laughs> well, thanks, guys. All right. Thank you. All right. All right. All right.
They see me rolling. They hate it.